and welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I am Amy, and we are joined by some Minecrafters who found out that the cake was a lie. Mike? Carrot cake was real. Tommy? It was. I wanted cake. And the Minecrafter who just wanted to vault, Liam? Yo. We are a family of gamers going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, everyone. How was your week? Not too bad. I went uh, to see A Man Called Otto with Aaron on Friday. And uh, it was like the first movie we saw in the theater since Knives Out, because we don't go see movies in the theaters that often. Oh, my goodness. But it was <laughs> a really enjoyable experience, just because it was a date night. Aww, so it's always good. Night. The movie was all right. It was it was very average. Like I would watch it if it was on again, but I don't think I'd go out of my way to watch it. It's one of those movies that somebody in their 40s would be like, oh, this is one of my favorite movies ever. And it's just it's not really like action oriented. It's not. It's totally plot driven. Tom Hanks did a really good job acting in it. Everybody did. But it's there's nothing like super special about it. But I think that, you know, if if you're bored and you want to go see a, a fun little movie thing that's going to make you feels a little bit, then go for it. So I read the book on that one, and I think it be, it was really popular because it definitely pulled a lot of heartstrings in different ways, and people found it a really nice story. And that's probably why they made a movie about it. Although I think that they have previously made a movie about it, or maybe a different country or something made a movie about it. I don't know. Anyways. It was cool to see that it was a movie, but I haven't watched it and I will not watch it because I read the book and that was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, the movie was very lighthearted in general. So I don't know if the book came off that way, but lighthearted in, in, in general, it was it was good. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, you know, like groundbreaking filmmaking or anything like that. Just but it was nice good. Story. It was good seeing Tom's Tom Hanks, Tom's Hanks, Tom's, Tom's, Tom's <laughs> Hank. It was good seeing him. As a grumpy person, because he did a really good job. And usually you see him be a little bit more, you know, upbeat. So my week was all right. I did complete Dead Space. I didn't buy it. I stole it off my friend. We share games. And that was great decision by me on my part. Dead Space was, for those who don't know, which I can't imagine you wouldn't, but it's a remake of the original, which came out in 2008. So it's been about 15 years, but I never played the original Dead Space. So this is an entirely new introduction to me to the franchise. And I loved it. I loved nearly every single moment. Besides the fact that, like most AAA games these days, they usually release in some sort of semi-buggy, but usually very unoptimized state. And this game was pretty unoptimized disregarding that fact it's a game that like flowed and managed to keep environmental storytelling and you as a character what your character is actually doing and the story that's actually going on all in the same little tight space tightly neat space like everything played into one another with your suit your suit was directly linked with the story all of your weapons because you are an engineer are mining tools because you find them on a mining ship and I'm like, I love that. That's fun. That's super fun. And I feel like this is giving the game great praise that this is my only real complaint. My only complaint with the game is the, the save states. I think everything in the game has this wonderful flow to it. You flow from one section to the other, all of your guns, everything is flowing so well yet slowly. But then the save state is like, I want you to pause everything you're doing to save the game, to back out and then keep going. Like, I think that's the only thing that doesn't work. But everything else, all the horror, the music especially, I love how each enemy type is, it's kind of assigned its own 
not motif because that's it's definitely not motif it's not melodic but its own quote-unquote theme even if that theme is just instruments making a specific noise violins will play when you hear one enemy type and then some kind of like low brass will play when you hear another enemy type so it's all layering very well so you can you can hear what enemies are on screen via the music and i love that about dead space that is one of my favorite parts and they only a lot of times they only cue when your camera is in sight of them as well so the music won't start playing until you the character know the enemy type is there and i love that great way of telling the same story through the music and gameplay just so much fun a small note for that jason graves is the one who originally composed the dead space music and one of the cool stories i heard about it don't know if it's true but i'm going to put it out there so he gets extra credit was that the the idea he had for music was so complex that he couldn't bring it to an orchestra he couldn't just write it out and say you guys need to play this which is typically how you compose video game music instead he had orchestras play really weird articulations which is just how they perform a single note or a single play style and so it would be like uh, high-pitched string runs or like them slapping the strings or playing weird notes on different brass instruments he got all those different recordings and he put them together into a sampling device and basically he he played them out like they all those individual bits were part of the recording and made it almost electronic from it because of how weird and strange the noises are mm. but yeah shout out to him because it's it's a really great soundtrack i have only played the original dead space i've not played the expansion to it but he's done a lot of really awesome games and films and tv and stuff like that so he's a pretty good composer I'm sure we'll go more in depth with it when we do that uh, horror stereotypes. One of my mm-hmm. least favorite horror things are stingers, especially like overused stingers that you see a lot in television. I hate stingers and I definitely hate stock stingers because they're so recognizable, but there's no real like stinger in this. And if it is, it's usually only used once or twice. And every type of quote unquote stinger in it is original, original and unique to the area that you're in, which makes, again, the story and then the environment that you're in so much more alive and and believable for whatever reason. It's great. The music is an outstanding achievement to me in that game. Well, this week is an exciting week because drum roll. Great, that was a good drum roll. It's a creative prompt week. This is the first one I think we've had all year, or maybe not. I can't remember. The second one? Okay, great. This is the first challenge of 2023 that we're completing. This is true. Yeah, there you go. So I think it was Liam who chose anticipation as a word. So we've got a few little projects for us to listen to. Who would like to go first? Flip a three-sided coin. Mike heads or tail? I always like tails. Tails? Wait, that was a bad flip. Tails, boy! I'll go last, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I don't... Yeah. Tommy, is yours really good? Um, that's that's very subjective. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's either great or terrible, which I can't tell. So I'll go last, whatever. I'll I'll take the brunt of this, like, oh, my God, thank God it's over. <laughs> okay. Liam, what is my project? I, I'm thinking myself, like, on a mountain, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm imagining clouds, even though they're right there above me. I'm imagining them. Um, Wait, what was the word? <laughs> <laughs> it was anticipation. <laughs> anticipation. All right. And I'm imagining them, okay? And I am anticipating rain. All right, there you go. That's my description. Nice. Dang, rain was okay. another challenge. Okay, let's do it. 
Okay. All right. So the whole idea I had behind this project was to not really have it super structured, was to just kind of move forward and never reference anything previously, except for one thing, which was the grandfather clock motif. Oh, okay. And I added that in there because it was like, well, yeah, time. I wanted to use it at some point, and I was like, I feel like it's a good place to use it. But yeah, it was the idea that there was a genre swap in the middle of it. It was sometimes some of these cuts, including that like first drop, the riser, it just kind of like rises and then cuts immediately into a silent riser. And then the very ending piece was a typical piano piece that I feel like you would use if I was referencing an emotional piece that I put in the first part. But that last part was nothing. It was it was just it referenced absolutely nothing. It was just there. And that was the whole point of this project was to just be like, yeah, let's just move on. Let's go to the next, the next. Like, you never know what you're going to anticipate. Just next, 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 next. And that was that was the idea of it. It was just to throw you in a loop. You didn't know where the song was going. So I think on its own, I don't know if this is a really, really decent song. Like, there's so many things I want to do with it to make it an actual song. But the point of the project, or at least in my eyes, was to not do anything crazy with it. I think it's very mood setting. It could be something that is playing in the background while some piece of media is also playing visuals on top of music or playing a game or something like that. Yeah, it was good. It kind of sounded like you were showcasing music throughout a movie or throughout a video game where it was like, these are different things that you encounter, but you merged them all together into one song. So if someone was like, I want a sample of what the music is for that video game, they would just listen to this. Yeah, I dig it. And I like that the first part felt like a like a techno creepy dollhouse vibe. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun thing with working with the grandfather clock. That dun 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 dun. Just like I just put a minor on it and then I added like an extra bit to it and that was it. And it was fun. I was like, oh yeah, this makes it sound creepy. Let's add some bass to it. And then fun little percussive stuff. It was nice. Thank you. I was anticipating it not resolving. I thought that's you what are, you were yes. there you yeah. yeah, I thought I was like, uh uh, he's gonna he's gonna uh, uh but then it kind of resolved. It is a it's a half unresolved, half not resolved because the last note is an unresolved note, but that chord could technically work in the scale as a resolved chord. Mm -hmm. So half of those notes are unresolved, half of them aren't, which made it fun. Mm -hmm. I did that. (laughs) I know that we could see how long the song was, but if someone was just listening to it without seeing how long it was, there is that bit of anticipation of like, is this the end? Wait, is this the end? Wait, is this the end? You know, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, too, is without knowing the length of the song, you can definitely be like, I don't know when this is supposed to end. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. I like it. I thought it was different. I felt like it had different motifs in it than you've normally done. You're always cranking out new things and it's annoying. And you're so talented. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. But it could probably have been better, you know? Yeah, it probably could have. Could have been a lot better, but <laughs> it was fun. It was fun doing it for the prompt. Yeah. I guess I'll go next. Um, What do I want to <laughs> say about this? Liam, what do you, what do you want to say about this? So, as we can see here, it goes on and on. It's also three minutes long. I think it's the longest Amy's ever done something no i've done longer i'm the one that was talking uh (laughs) so basically what we got going on here is a you know i don't never know what amy does so i'm not even gonna try to say what type of thing it is but it's got anticipation in it i'm pretty sure 
Very good. You you did nail something. Good job. When I was little and summer was coming to an end, I would stare at the ceiling for hours, my stomach in knots, not wanting to fall asleep, only to wake one day closer to the looming new school year stretched out in front of me. With unknown so vast, my imagination would run wild with the worst possible scenarios playing over and over, threatening to drag me under. Not forever, just for now. When I was about to graduate, so happy I was finally done and my life as a child was about to come to a close, I couldn't stop my mind from turning that happiness to unease as my life as an adult sprawled before me, not knowing what I wanted or who I wanted to be, standing on the final few feet of an ever-expanding canyon, threatening to crumble away at any moment if I made the wrong move. Not forever, just for now. When I would be so excited for a new book, the made-up characters and plot so rich and charming, the story would invade my racing mind. I couldn't absorb the words on the page fast enough, and all too soon, the end was before my eyes, and the emptiness I always felt crept back in, leaving me feeling just as hollow as I did before I delved into the series. Not forever, just for now. When I had planned for months a well-deserved and long-overdue vacation where finally I could take a breather from the stress and craziness of my life, only to dread having to go back to work the next Monday, realizing that a week is so small in comparison to the rest of my life, that even in the midst of fun and excitement, I couldn't help but to mourn the time I had even before it ended. Not forever, just for now. When I had a new job, where I could pay for my bills and finally live life without the weight of depression and anxiety hanging over me. I still dread every second I am away from the office, knowing in less than 12 hours I'll have to do it all over again. Not eating, barely sleeping. The only things that keep me going is counting down the seconds before I get to go home. Not forever, just for now. 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 I've got this. It was a nice little piece. Well, damn. You could definitely feel the anxiety in the voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say, I think, out of all of us, you definitely have voice acting better than all of us i mean we barely know voice acting i definitely feel like when it comes to emotion you definitely or you, you can invoke emotion better than we can at least than i can i should speak for myself yeah speak for you tommy <laughs> <laughs> i wrote this because when i was trying to think of anticipation and the the moments in my life where i anticipated something I realized that a lot of that excitement was always filled with anxiety and dread. And for me, even though 
there's good things to anticipate new books or seeing friends. I am constantly in the back of my mind thinking, but it's going to be over, but it's going to be done soon. But there's all of this excitement. And then I'm like, oh, but then here it is. And now it's gone and there's nothing more to anticipate. And so for me, anticipation has always been held with a note of sorrow and I wanted to convey that through different moments throughout my life. These are all moments that have really happened throughout my life. And uh, something that keeps me going is that not forever, it's just for now, not forever, just for now. And it's almost like a little mantra that I say to myself when that anxiety and that dread creep up on me, that this feeling, that this moment, this unease is not forever, it's just for now, and it'll be okay, Uh, even if it doesn't always feel like that. Well, it was good. I think you did convey exactly the message you were trying to convey through the story that you were telling. So Mm -hmm. that was good. To drag you back into it, I can give you a slight criticism. Not a criticism that that is anything bad, but something you can improve upon. Sure. Is you get very, like when, especially when you're doing something that you're, you're very invested in, your mic placement varies a little bit. You can tell when you move back and forward in the mic and how it changes. And it was just in the beginning for a little bit. And there was one part where I could hear you move. Like I could see you move oh. through your through through the audio. And I was like, oh, yeah. she's just getting a little bit far away. And it's not to say that it was bad or anything. It's just something that we all have to be conscious of because I had to do that a bunch as well in my current project you'll see in a bit. <laughs> so I would say one thing that I have to work on, and I just noticed it with you in general, is figuring out where you're placed in a mic and keeping it there for your performance. Unless your performance is supposed to be very like volume dynamic. But other than that, I mean, yeah, you did great with reading it. I mean, I feel like that's that, that complaint is a compliment within itself. Yeah, it's it's such a hard <laughs> thing to to do. And I think it's if we want to do more voice acting, then we're going to have to figure it out because oh, yeah. you want to be really expressive, but you also want to make it as clear as possible and try and, you know, hit those specific inflections whenever you kind of need to. So that's the only thing I heard. I, mean, I <laughs> mom and dad always joke that. I must be part Italian because I always talk with my hands. I'm a very expressive talker. And so when I do record, I'm like <laughs> all over the place. So it's definitely something that I need to learn to rein in when recording is less flailing and more concentration yeah. on the voice acting aspect of things. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things when you realize that you're doing it, you also realize that the professionals, there there's a reason they're professionals right yes yeah it's because they already know all these tricks they already know all this spacing this timing it's the small things that just because we can do a funny voice or something doesn't mean we're like voice actors yeah and i think a lot of people don't realize that when they go well i can do voice acting it's easy like yeah it's like yeah it's it's a little more complex the the performance aspect is not just about giving a proper performance to inflict a certain emotion or tone or something it's also about making sure that you're doing it technically in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not definitely not an expert. You will hear that shortly. But it's <laughs> it's one of those, it's just something I, I want to work on because I want to get better. I mean, that's half the reason we're doing 1L2N, right? Exactly. It's true. 
I feel like you're going to see that with like most of our projects just throughout the what we've had 17 so far, something like that. Yeah. If, if anybody's coming here and this is your very first podcast episode and you're listening to these projects, go back and listen to like the first couple ones we did. And you'll be like, oh, my God, they're so much better now in just two years, <laughs> just because we've been doing these creative prompts. At least I hope you'd say that. Maybe you'll be like, God, these people have always <laughs> been terrible. <laughs> They've gone from terrible to bad and you know what i'll take it <laughs> terrible to smug yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i like you named it too anticipation no 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 yeah uh, i couldn't remember how to spell anticipation so i was just like i'll add a few extra letters that'll be fine because if i misspelled one letter then missy specifically would get all over me about it but if i spelled multiple then it's just funny it's comedy you know, I'm pretty sure it's anticipation. Anticipation. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get this over with. <laughs> what is my project about, Liam? Tell the world. It's about, you know, it's got music in it and it's supposed to be like a bit more of a soother uh, rhythm. It's going to be a bit more, you know, rhythmatic, soother, a bit of a lower tone, bit like laid back, you know, and it's supposed to make you feel. Boom. All right. There you go. Oh, there's going to be feeling in this one. Lots of feeling. It's rare to get a perfect job. In fact, it outright never happens. But I thought, just this once, maybe this could be the one. The scorned wife offering me a wad of credits to obtain some unsavory pictures of her husband, the station administrator, and his side squeeze seemed all too easy especially given the pay would help cut my tab at the bronze shelf in half and have enough left over for nearly a month's rent. It was almost one in the dark when I realized that Casey's would be closing soon and I'd still be waiting for the unfaithful fool. I'd have to lug it across the station to find a suitable watering hole that would spot me for the evening and the options were running dry like me. Mark better slip up soon, or the shakes would come and make for a blurry picture. My impatience got the best of me in half a tick, and I moved from my well-concealed perch to a more illuminated position. Sometimes you had to frame those money shots yourself. I ran up and peeked through the window of the mayor's relaxation dwelling, and paused at the sight of dark splattered red I found across the floor. The illusion of easy gig for easy pay faded in an instant when I spotted the bombshell I was supposed to snap lying motionless among the mess. The shakes started to hid. I had to decide if the tiny voice yelling for me to do the right thing would scream louder than the devil calling for a taste. I took a quick pick of the scene and hurried off to the tram. A double of the newest grease stripper that was distilled last week might help calm my nerves. Plus, I could use the calm and whatever dive I ended up in to anonymously report the bloody chaos I had stumbled upon. Something tells me this job was far from over, but first things first. A round or three would help me think. It's rare to get a perfect job. What? 
real quick. Was it supposed to cut out like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was supposed to cut out. Yeah, oh. for sure. That was intentional. All right. Well, first of all, I see you using that trumpet in the beginning, using that freaking, what was it? Muted. The ambient mic. Was it the first one? It was it was not the muted one, oh. but the first trumpet in the very beginning mm-hmm. that you were blending in with the rest of the Sims. Were you using an ambient mic for it? Just shoving it way in the back? No, I was using way too much reverb. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. It still sounded good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that ambient music. I think it fit well with your... I don't even know what you would call your voice. My voice was me doing an impression of Stephen Russell, who was a voice actor who's been in a lot of Bethesda games, but he also was the voice actor for Garrett in the Thief games. And that oh. was pretty much like... My impersonation of his Garrett in space instead. So yeah, yeah it felt very like <laughs> techno noir. Yep, I love techno noir. Yeah, that was yeah. The I idea. like that. It's just to be you know that that film noir, but also add a mass effect. Yeah, it was very cool. It was very atmospheric. Like that's one of those things that really pulls you in, especially with your vocals over it. It really painted a scene, even if you didn't paint the scene. But, you, you know, like you could just the scene just blossomed in front of you because of the way the music was, the vibe of the voice, the vibe of what was going on. That I, I really found that one interesting. It's almost like <laughs> what was the one that you did, Tommy, where you're a detective? The Purple Mafia. The No, no, oh, no, no. That no. one. It's the Detective uh... Kitty. No, no, not this, Detective I've Kitty. done a lot of wow, Detective stuff. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for outing me. <laughs> no, the darker one. It was Agony. Agony. Mm, yeah. Feels like Agony and Anticipation. They're both A's. You could have something going there, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm still baffled at the fact that I've done like five <laughs> different projects with detectives in it. <laughs> Oh, I need to change that. Next project. <laughs> Challenge for a detective. Anyway. The character uh reminded me of Lou Bloom from um Nightcrawler. Hmm. You know, remember that? Yeah. We were talking about that before. Uh, I could see that a little bit. The way he was just so like a very monotone and didn't really care about everything that yeah. occurred. Yeah, I appreciated that characterization. Dude's yeah. just kind of there, just doing it, get the trying to get the perfect job and then in the end. He now realizes he thinks he has, still has the perfect job, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for this, like, detective or, you know, private eye yeah. or whatever, Pri- yeah. his anticipation was just the drink as opposed to the case yep. he was on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like with Lou, it's kind of the same thing. He just wanted people to respect him and, and look up to him, and he didn't really care about how he was going to go about doing that. Well, and I was actually going to say, I, I did, before you even said that, I thought that that was interesting how, like, the murder didn't even really phase him. He was just like, I got to get a drink. <laughs> like, that, that was what he was so focused on. He was like, yep, yeah, all right, I got to figure out what to do. But, you know, let me get some drinks first. And then, well, that's secondary. It's like, yeah. you just saw a dead body and you rolled it off your back like it was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that was the, the fun of creating it is to go way over the top in two and a half minutes for the cliched private eye who's also a drunk it was like how much can i put in there as reference so <laughs> it's, i it's like it though yeah good. good job michael mike i always need to do two passes on any orchestrated narratives because i'm just so focused on <laughs> the ear candy i'm like oh yeah I like that how do you do that like I, i'm focused on that and then i'm not focused on the story which is what i should be focused on mainly 
but I think that's the detriment to being a composer or like wanting to compose is I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do this? How do you do that? Hey, you have to listen to it again. Yeah. I'm like, okay, all right, let's yeah. get out of that brain and just listen like- to it again when we walk into a new space and we all automatically look at the floor to see how dirty it is. No, you always <laughs> look dead. into the corners. Yeah, the corners yeah. as well, yeah. <laughs> They're vacuumed. Dust bunnies! <laughs> Invisidust, Invisidust. I mean, it, my composing style for this was the same as it's always kind of been, where I start off doing one thing and then I go, oh, you know what? Let me do something else instead. Like, as I <laughs> do it. The original idea was to have a like a private eye getting beat up by some mobsters or something and do an actual just film noir or noir style, I guess you could say. And then I accidentally added that synth line that's going through the whole thing. And I was like, oh, it has to be in space now. And then I wrote everything based upon that. And I added very little ear candies. I actually wrote around the ear candies, which was a little more difficult this time, but it it was a fun challenge at least. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. That was good. Whatever. I don't care. Let's talk about how how Wait, no, we gotta hold on, I gotta see who what the next one is. No. Oh, I gotta roll. No, yes. we am anticipating it. <laughs> Two, that's me. So, don't look at the handle on the door. That's already done. So rigged. Doorknob, door. No, none of that. You can't say rigged again. You can't say I, purple. I'm in, in agony for the you anticipation. You can't say ladder. Zipper. <laughs> I am going to make <laughs> I don't best. know if that's good or not, but <laughs> that's like the fir- first thing that came to my mind. And then I was like, no, I should There's... think of another word. And I couldn't think like, of a word that like, wasn't zipper. zipper. So zipper, I was like, zipper, zipper, zipper. And you're like, okay, gay brain. Whenever I'm acting goofy around Aaron and I'm wearing the jacket, I become a DJ with my coat zipper. I just go, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, go away. So that's well, what I'm we doing. know what your project is going to be. Yeah. 12 minutes of zipper DJing. <laughs> You know what? If it is, I respect the choice. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you listening at home, if you've participated in this creative prompt or you want to participate in our next creative prompt, please show us what you did. We want to see what you did. 1L2N Productions, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit. We're also on 1L2N Productions.com. We would love to see your awesome creative prompts or listen to them or whatever experience them so we're using the creative prompts as just a way to get our juices flowing it doesn't have to be some huge elaborate thing it's just a fun little project to kind of boost our creativity so zipper is your next creative prompt word and excited to see what you guys have done and i'm excited to see what you guys are gonna do i have no idea <laughs> neither do i i don't know why i chose zipper i'm annoyed with myself <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't instantly inspire me but oh, also no. that's half the fun because then I can really think and dwell on it. And these are where some of my crazy ideas come out of, <laughs> i.e. Detective Kitty. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Purple Mafia. I need to do another detective story. Yes. There we go. I was going to say, it's definitely going to be like the case of the missing zipper. Well, since Missy's not here... We get to talk about video games. We've already talked about video games a little bit, but specifically what we wanted to talk about was Halo Infinite. I love it. We all played it and we have some thoughts, except for Liam. Liam didn't play it. But Liam, you can have thoughts about this too. So please feel free to chime in whenever you want. Wanted to talk about the story a little bit and the way it was made. Mike, 
I know that you're itching. Well, the whole thing's curious. Uh, first of all, I want to start off by saying I understand video games are hard to make. They probably have to be the hardest artistic medium. Oh, yeah. Because you get all the same elements that you get with film, but then you have to code it and program it and make sure it works in so many different styles. And when you have a really good game, it it's you know, a miracle. And if you have a bad game, it's also a miracle that got produced as well, because I know that a bunch of stuff is being uh, pumped out. I'm not going to rag on Halo Infinite necessarily, but it's it's very, it's weird coming from the Halo series, which was, you know, a flagship video game all throughout the, the early 2000s. Halo and Halo 2 and Halo 3 and Reach and ODST. And it was like when Bungie was making them, they were some of the best games that I've played in terms of first person shooter. It was very atmospheric. It was very unique storyline. And it, it wasn't kind of over the top. But unfortunately, I think that that has declined in several later iterations, mainly three, four and or sorry, four, five and infinite now. Infinite had a lot of really awesome stuff about it. The gameplay was pretty fun for most of it. It wasn't the best. The sound design for a lot of it was just wonderful. Like the gun sounds are the best that I think I've ever heard in any video game. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I will say real quick that when you're in the tank and you're shooting the tank and it's just so echoey and boomy and you can hear it in the distance, even when you're, you know, far away from whoever's shooting the tank, like that was just so cool and awesome sounding. The tank. All I feel like everything reacted based on the environment that you were in. So if you were in a closed tight space versus a semi open space versus a very open space, the reverb and how the tank actually sounded were completely different. And it just, oh my yeah. gosh, it was great. Yeah, I mean, and it's to me slightly baffling because you have some of the best sound design that I've ever heard for guns for tanks it just it brings you into that sci-fi setting and it's also paired with some of the worst sound design that i've ever heard which mainly my biggest complaint is the audio logs in the game they are way too loud they do not sound good they're too distorted they take over the volume of anything else that's going on so if you're in the middle of a firefight and you want to use the call outs that enemies have about each other or where they're going you can't hear that because the audio log is just blaring noise with a pointless story on top of it and you know i know that again it's very difficult to make a video game but it seems to me and from what i can gather too is that these were two entirely different teams that were working on the project with very little collaboration together. And it's kind of at the end, everything was thrown together in like, what did this team do? What did that team do? What pieces did you have? This is what we had. And it definitely shows in the game. It was a little poorly paced, a really bad story uh, or not engaging story, I guess. And some bizarre choices that it just it's strange that something so revered can fall so far so fast. And, you know, I hope that the people that that were making this keep trying to iterate on it because they did a lot of really, really cool things. Again, like the grappling hook is the best addition Halo's had since Halo 1. It, It is so much fun to fly around the map and you know pick stuff up and attach onto each other and enemies and grab weapons and there's there's so many things you can do with it but then you know you pair that with the same style boss fight over and over and over again where you're in close quarters and you just have to use it to run away as opposed to anything unique it's it just I, i wish that it had another year of polish and scrapping certain things before it came out i think part of the reason why it 
felt like a lot of it was disjointed is because I believe this was a new engine, a completely new engine from the ground up, and it was an absolute hassle to work on. It took about a year or so of training for any new employee just to learn the engine, and therefore, after they're learning it, they have to implement stuff now. So a year of training has gone by and you haven't really implemented anything in your training and it, it just it sucks. It takes so, so long to learn it. So much so that I believe that Halo is actually starting from scratch and porting some of their infinite stuff is going to go to Unreal 5 and a new game that they make is going to be on Unreal 5. Like that's how that's how not user friendly the engine was, which sucks because I really like it. It's good for its obviously its sound design, its core mechanics, its physics, all super fun. So that's one of the problems that I believe kind of behind the scenes went on. But it definitely feels like you said it, there was so many wonderful like you got some of the best ingredients you possibly could to make a game, and instead of making like the best bread you made, you made like pop tart soup, and you're like, huh? <laughs> How are you doing that? And it's it's everything. There's so many good elements, but there's so many bad elements that overshadow those good elements. So a lot of players don't have a good time. Yeah. Like you said, the grappling hook, so much fun. And that that's probably one of the only cases of a really good element that outshines everything else. But it's also annoying when you have a constant bug in the game that doesn't allow you to switch to the grappling hook until you die you know it's it's stuff yeah. like that where you're like this is obviously needed a little bit more work before the campaign came out i can't remember i think it's the buggiest game that i've played and saying that is a little different because i don't buy games until they have like a thousand patches on them but the number of times that we crashed that we couldn't see each other online that we just had random weird things happen our guns wouldn't shoot we would need to kill ourselves in the game in order to yeah our reboot stuff up. Yeah. Show up. If stuff we got buggy, we were just like, okay, gotta close out the entire game and then bring it back up. And I know that there was a massive investment that it went into it and it was a huge gamble, mm -hmm. but it to me had the same cyberpunk sort of problem where obviously this was not finished and you've kind of ruined your reputation by releasing it in this state. And it's it's better to have a game and work on it for a really long time and release something that's at least workable than have a the perfect game. I'm really enjoying the shadow drops and we'll get back onto Halo. So I'm going to deviate just a teeny bit, but just games that drop with no other previous trailer. They just are like, we are here now. Enjoy us. There's a game that just came out. Hi-Fi Rush. And it's, it's a rhythm combat game essentially. And I don't think there was any other notice of this game being out, but it has a 98% positive on Steam right now. And that's pretty damn hard to get. So they're clearly doing something right by being like, uh, this hilariously enough, this motto came from Cyberpunk, but when it's finished, it will release. Yeah. One thing about that game specifically that I read is that it became, it, it was something that was going around the Bethesda offices and it became viral at their offices. Like everybody wanted to play it. And that's kind of how they knew they had a hit on their hands is all their employees wanted to spend more time playing it. Which is just interesting. I guess if you know if your employees are having fun playing, then you're probably going to have a good game, right? Yeah, exactly. So that kind of brings up an interesting point. Halo is such a huge franchise. Do you think that they dropped hints and kind of released the fact that they're making Halo Infinite because they wanted to get people anticipated for it? Do you think that that's a good benefit or maybe they should have just kept their mouths shut about it and kind of dropped it and then 
seen what people like do you think because there's that anticipation for a new release it lets us down because we're we've been anticipating it for a while or is it because it just legitimately wasn't a good game i think there the the shift of how a game functions and how it should function has changed like the perception of that idea has changed tremendously in the past five years there is a higher bar that a lot of games are set at now that they just can't release buggy. Like when Skyrim released, everyone loved it. But you best know that game was probably the most buggy, horrible mess in the universe. I do remember when Skyrim released specifically, it was so buggy that like you would sometimes lose your save files. Your quests could not be completed until you started a brand new game. That was an exceptionally buggy mess back in the day as well. Yeah, and I, I'm using that as definitely a hyperbolic answer, mm -hmm. but there's definitely this perception now where you want to have you want to have an enjoyable experience because sixty dollars for a lot of people is stupidly expensive and if they're either chilling out that money they want to have a good time with that money and i think that also plays into how people market the games cyberpunk definitely failed from this was that they way overhyped a game and they they overhyped underdelivered. and i don't think that happened nearly as much with infinite it felt like they were trying to ground expectations but it still did it still was like hey look at what we have but this game probably won't come out for like another two, three years. And when you build that hype, people's people, you let people's imagination run wild. Therefore, the hype is like this feedback loop. It just hype feeds into hype, feeds into hype. And then people get their own idea of what the game is going to be. And then it's always not as good as they were anticipating. There, there's two interesting things about this. First of all, there was a couple of weeks ago, a lawsuit that was brought up for specifically movie trailers. And uh, one movie trailer had an actress in it and the actress never ended up being in the actual film. They cut her out and the trailer had her in. And so the lawsuit was you basically had false advertising and you're saying that now we're going to see this film because we thought this actress was going to be in it, but she wasn't in the entire thing. And that was the draw for us. And the judge allowed it to continue on in court. It's a little bit more difficult for video games specifically. And the reason why I think that is because a lot of times you see people, and if you listen to, to the behind the scene conversations they have after a game's released, they might have a trailer that has some of the most crazy things in there. And that was in the full intention of within two years, creating that system and making yeah. it work perfectly. And then maybe they realized like, okay, that system broke everything else or the pacing was off for the gameplay, or yeah. maybe we needed to get rid of this whole level. And because of that, I think that if you're advertising a game way in advance, it's super, super difficult to say, yes, this is exactly what the product's going to be because you don't know. So I think that's mm -hmm. the tricky balance is often you, you want to get people hyped because they want to buy your product. If you don't sell it, you're not going to make another game. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you give them the most truthful, accurate information. So in the terms of cyberpunk, it seemed like all the advertisers were like, look how awesome this game is going to be. Look at all of the stuff you can do. And then they, they've already created this marketing machine. They've already delayed it several times and it needed to be delayed more, but they probably made that gamble and said, you know what? We might not actually make the money back on this investment if we have another two, three, four years of development, which it might have actually needed to get where it was going. Yeah. So I think it's a weird balancing act for video games. You, you don't want to tell people ahead of time exactly what you are 
are gonna gonna have in the game and you don't want to promise too much but you also need to get them hyped enough to maintain interest in it and i think with halo in general you don't have to do that much marketing you know you're going to release another mainstream <laughs> halo game people are going to know about it and maybe mm-hmm. that is a something they should have considered like oh yes actually this game is is still a year or two off and it's not a problem let's just get it fixed so i don't know it's a tough one do you do you try and give them the most accurate information with the possibly lying to them not intentionally just because some feature might get removed or do you allow somebody to just get a product that is overhyped and under delivered not like those are the only two options you can also just not communicate about it and go do go through that shadow drop sort of method but i think that's a lot lot more risky in terms of you know putting a good game out there i want to go back to halo i mean not that we have steered off of it but specifically the audio logs and i would say like the main audio for the main storyline do you think talking about voice acting that it was bad voice acting bad directing or bad mixing that caused a lot of those to just be so frustratingly annoying. I don't think it was the actors really at all. I actually think they probably were doing exactly what they were told. I think it's more of a directing and mixing because one of the main villains, the way he just like breathes, it's sure you can, you can breathe in that way, but I feel like that's a specific director thing being like, he is sick. So really emphasize he is sick. Breathe more. Breathe more. So oh, I'm here. And, like, oh. uh, and then on top of that, it's the mixing. It's like, why does every breath he takes pierce my ears? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's definitely a mixing problem because you have an over compression of the voice. They could have lowered those breathing patterns quite a bit and had a little bit less compression on them. And maybe it would have been a, a better product overall. I do agree. I think yeah. it's probably more direction because the voice acting on there, a lot of people that have done those voices have done that acting for years. Yeah, I mean, You take uh, Cortana or what we call Cortuna, which was the new Cortana. And, <laughs> you know, it's Jennifer Hale. Is that what it is? I can't. Oh, my gosh. What is her name? Uh, I don't know. Jen Taylor, I'm sorry. Jennifer Hale is a different voice actress as well. You know, they, they've done those characters for years and years and years. They're obviously professionals. They've had many gigs, and I'm sure that everybody else in there has had many gigs because they had their choice mm-hmm. of talent for a Halo game. But when you have mixing that is over the top and you have direction, which is like, well, maybe we should. I guess that's my, my complaint about the whole game is it felt like no departments were communicating with each other. Like maybe they actually had really great sounding audio logs and great sounding direction for, for all the actors and actresses that were doing their, their voice lines. But maybe it just got mixed wrong and the mixing person didn't know that they were supposed to mix to a certain level or to have other elements in. And it just seems like there was no communication from group to group to group or no overall direction leadership for the entire project it felt like there was a lot of concepts and ideas some executed very well and some executed in like why would they do this in a major franchise yeah yeah the the story for me was predictable annoying it was unfathomable like i didn't understand what was going on why it was going on except for we have to hit these story beats and one of the best parts about halos like especially combat evolve the first one was it never fully it kind of allowed you to explore the story 
It never was fully like, this is exactly what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. Of course, they told you at certain points, this is what the story is. But it seemed like every step in this game, there was weird stuff going on. Cortana's dead or she's not dead and she's whispering in your ear and it's never explained. And, (laughs) you know, you're just going, why is this? Why is this all happening? And when you get confused about why something is happening and there's no clear intrigue to a story, it becomes an obstacle to an enjoyment as opposed to um, an add on to that enjoyment. And I feel like the story in this was definitely an obstacle. I wanted to skip more and more cutscenes because I was just so uninvested. All I wanted to do was play the game, whereas other Halos, I would actually want to watch the story and see where it was going, see why I was doing mm-hmm. it, and then added to the game as opposed to this definitely oh, yeah. detracting. I will say it's fun to play with you guys because we get to be dumb and stupid and smack each other till we're all dead. And and that's fun. I, I love that part of it. So my favorite part about playing these Halo games is being able to play with you guys. But even so, I will say that I felt like there was a lot that detracted from this campaign. I think that the open world aspect of it didn't actually add anything. It was just like, okay, copy paste this this mission here and it's you get five of them all around the map and you have to go do the same thing for each one of them and I felt like that didn't add to the gameplay or the storyline it was just kind of like it's open world now isn't it so cool and yeah sure there was moments that were cool but overall it was just I don't know it it wasn't as fun as other Halo games that we've all played together it's got to be a really difficult problem with games in general especially when they're action games is if you want it to be more open world, you still want there to be good pacing, good action. And the more open world you have, the easier it is for somebody to wander around and be bored in it. And, you know, oftentimes what you do to alleviate that is you go, what I'm going to just call the Ubisoft model, where you put a thousand of the same exact style mission across the map just littered so your mini map is covered with things that you have to go to and none of it really matters it's just kind of things for you to do when you're on your way from point a to point b and that is what the open world kind of felt like it felt like it detracted from the overall pacing that a typical single player game or a shooter game specifically where it goes from mission to mission as opposed to an open world it felt like it detracted from that pacing and was obnoxious in ways that I didn't understand. Opening the menu alone took like two seconds. And it might not seem like much, but when you're constantly having to open up your your overworld map and place a new marker down at some point, and it takes like two seconds for it to load, when every other game you just press the button and it goes, it becomes a hindrance to the gameplay being an open world you're at that point you're like please just let me go back to the single corridors like i'd love to shoot in there and you know have some different combat arenas as opposed to having to go from here to here to here because just taking too long and that's the thing is i think once you got to the spot that they wanted you to get to it was fun yeah that spot was fun it's very well designed the levels itself very fun levels it was just like zipping around having fun the big open spaces awesome the space in between those it just didn't fit it didn't make much sense i don't understand why we had to do it too if you did none of those side missions it wouldn't have changed the story at all yeah so what's the point if you're gonna have side missions like that make them change your story 
or make it so much fun that you that you want to do more of those than the main mission. It also just didn't make much yeah, it didn't make much sense for the general world building purpose. Although I really like those grunt broadcasting towers, I thought they were funny. It made no sense. Why would they have broadcasting towers to their own people like the banished on this ring? They they've barely been here. Mm-hmm. And they have all these up. Like a lot of it didn't make sense to feel like the world was real it felt like that ubisoft model was like ah we don't know what to do exactly here so yeah overall i I would definitely like to see more i don't think it's worth we bought it uh half off which was 30 dollars, and i can't even recommend it for that unfortunately i really think that (laughs) it needs you know i see the effort that went into it i see the really positive things but i don't blame any individual person working on it you know I, i wouldn't want to but I think it just needed a lot more direction and communication between all the different units to make it a cohesive product and to give us something that fans really cared about. It's one of those things where if you don't mind a lot of jank and you know you're just going to co-op with your buddies, then yeah, 30 bucks could be worth it. Because I think in that regard, not really focusing on it, not really critiquing it, it was fun to just, you know, kill Mike or kill Emi and then laugh and then teabag them and run away. Like, yeah. that's so much fun. And that was basically 50% of our gameplay. Yeah. But yeah. if you are someone yeah, that cares about neat tidiness, polish, a fun story, like really good game mechanics, then yeah, maybe hold off. Sorry. Well, on that note... I think it's time to end today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you've got a creative prompt that you did for anticipation or any of our other creative prompts, hit us up. We would love to experience them. 1L2N Productions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. And if you played Halo Infinite and you loved it, why? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, I would love to hear what you guys think about Halo Infinite and if you have other opinions or did did the audio logs not make you want to pull your hair out how how did you not pull your hair out at them i screamed every time we played one (laughs) every time i was like why is it like this (laughs) yeah exactly so yes we would love to hear from you thank you for listening today and if you want to help support what we're doing you can head on over to our patreon and that would be much appreciated and the last word of the day is going to go to I don't know what that is. Oh, it's two. <gasps> I think that's me. It is me. Hmm. Hmm. Pretty sure I picked the number two when we all picked our numbers. I wanted two more than anybody else. You have two and seven, but when I have a four-sided die, I'm two. It changes depending upon who's not here, and then I just move the numbers around. Except oh, I guess God. I'm always two because I'm always here. It's rigged, isn't it? It's rigged! I have rigged every single thing since the beginning of this podcast. Every role, every word, every creative prompt has all just been a figure. Uh, 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 yep. Okay, bye! <laughs>